In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Today is the third Sunday of the month of Kiak, and we continue reading uh, in Luke chapter 1. Uh, today we read the story of uh, St. Mary went to go visit her cousin uh, Elizabeth and uh, their interaction together and uh, what happened between them. We had spoken last time uh, about that the season of nativity is all about the idea of salvation and how humanity had waited for such a long time and Christ had chosen that this is the appropriate time for his incarnation to come to save the world and to redeem us from our sins and to reconcile us to himself again. And we spoke about how that there was two aspects of this salvation. There was the role of God. What is it that God has done in salvation? And there is the role of man as well. And we read in the Annunciation verse we spoke about last time, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and he will be called the Son of the Highest. And this is the perfect example of the, the, the cooperation between God and man. That God says it is, it is his role to perform salvation and that only he can perform it. And yet he chooses to be born of a woman, a human being. And that is her through her acceptance of what is it that he is offering, that she received salvation and all of humanity received salvation as well. So this is a cooperation between God and man. He does the things that only he can do and that his incarnation and his dying on the cross and everything that he did it was clearly only something that he could do. No other human being could do this and no amount of good works or righteousness on our behalf as mankind could ever have achieved for us salvation. And yet even while in this process of salvation, this is a cooperation with human beings. So he, did, he could have said, you know what, I'm going to do this completely separately on my own and it's going to be a process where I will do it and then I will declare it to you that it has been done and now that the world has been saved through the work of God. And yet we see that this is not what he did. He said, this work of salvation that only I can perform and yet I will do it through cooperation with those people whom I am saving. It is through their own work as well that they benefit from and they can uh, claim the, the, the benefits and, and, and this process of salvation to themselves. So last week we spoke about what is God's role in salvation and today we will speak about uh, what is man's role in salvation. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3 it says, For we are God's fellow workers, you are God's field, you are God's building. We are the fellow workers of God. All the work that God does, he does it in association and cooperation with us. For instance, St. John the Baptist, who was you know, sent as a forerunner before Christ, and his role was to prepare the people for the Lord, which is the work of salvation. So as a part of even this salvation, this process of salvation of Christ's incarnation, he, he chose a human being, St. John the Baptist, and he says, you go ahead of me and you prepare the people for me. When we read about, um, actually it was the, the, the gospel reading, yesterday uh, in the liturgy which was when Christ, Christ sent out the 72 apostles to go and to preach and, and it says that he was going to send them in every place that he himself was about to go to prepare the people for himself again Christ is the savior Christ is the one who is coming to actually save the people and yet God has chosen servants and people to prepare the world for his coming we spoke last time about how the name Jesus which was chosen 
by God. When, he, when, when, when the angel told Mary, he says, and his name will be Jesus. The, the name Jesus means Savior because it is reflecting the work of the Lord. What is the purpose of his incarnation and his coming to the world is for salvation. And yet when we read about the name of St. John, uh, the name John means Yahweh is gracious. John, who is the forerunner, the one who is coming before Christ to prepare the people for the salvation that will be declared to them and given to them by Jesus, the Savior, his name is Yahweh is gracious. Even his name is pointing to the grace of the God that is being given to his people during this time of the nativity. So St. John's entire mission was essentially to point to the grace of God, to point people to the salvation that comes from God. But God, as I said, has, real, has told us there are certain things that we must do that we should abide by in order for us to benefit from this salvation. Very simply, like at the very beginning of this story, if St. Mary had said, you know what, this is not for me, this isn't something that I can do, I cannot become the mother of the Savior, then she, 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 God would not have forced her to do so. God would not have forced her. We don't know what would have happened in that situation. But we see that again, God does not push something on us that we ourselves are not willing to accept. So what are some of the things that in the scripture we read that God has asked us to do to benefit from and to receive this gift of salvation that he has offered to us? The first is he asks us to, to believe to have faith, to believe that what he is doing is real, that he is actually doing some work, and we believe in who he is. In John 3, 18, it says, He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Meaning, the salvation is available to you, but in order for you to benefit from this salvation, you must believe that it is true. You must believe that Jesus is God. You must believe that he came and was incarnate fully as God and fully as man and, and that he died for our sins. All this that we speak about in the church and this theology that we talk about in our belief in who God is and the Trinity, he's saying we must believe. And, and if we do not believe, then we have condemnation. This is what he says, right? Even though he, he came for salvation, he came, he came to offer salvation to the entire world. But he says, but one condition for you to be able to benefit from this salvation is what is to believe. A second thing that he told us that we have to do is to repent. In Matthew 4.17, he says, From that time Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He is again telling the people, you must do an action. The sins that have been a separator between you and God for generations and generations. God is coming to remove that obstacle. God is now providing for you a way that when you come and you repent of your sins, that those sins are removed. In the Old Testament, the way that the people uh, demonstrated repentance and demonstrated that they were penitent for the sins that they committed was by offering animal sacrifices. And yet, we read in the book of Hebrews that if these animal sacrifices had been sufficient, then there would have been no need for the people to constantly keep offering them again and again and again and again, right? Because the animal sacrifices actually did not forgive sin. They were a symbol. They were a symbol of the sacrifice that I'm making and a sign of my repentance to God. But the people had not yet received salvation in the Old Testament. Christ, who is the ultimate sacrifice, who came to actually uh, achieve for us the true forgiveness of sins, was only offered one time, and after his sacrifice, there was no need of any more sacrifices again. 
So he is the, the true sacrifice, the true Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. But he says, just because the sins of the world are taken away, just because now you have access to the Father, just because now that whenever we pray and we ask God to forgive us, that he does forgive and he wipes away our sin. And he says, as far as the east is from the west, so I have removed your sin. Even though your sins were red as scarlet, but now I have made you as white as snow. This is what he says. He says, if you come to me in repentance and you ask me to forgive you, then I will forgive you and I will wipe your sins away as though they never were. This is what he says. This is the benefit, the grace that we have now in the New Testament. But he says, you must ask me for this. You must come to me with that heart of repentance for that purpose and for that reason so that I will forgive you. Again, there is a role that we play in this. Even though God has given us this amazing gift of salvation and forgiveness, but in order for us to benefit from it, we must do our role. Confession, which is declaring our sins, declaring our sins and not trying to hide them. In 1 John chapter 1, he says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all uh, unrighteousness. The church has, has, has offered to us the sacrament of confession as a, as a way for us to declare our repentance to God. That I have a repentant heart, and that I am coming to God and I'm confessing my sins openly uh, without trying to hide or to justify myself and saying these are my failings, these are my weaknesses, these are my mistakes, these are the things that I have done wrong and I place them before God for him to wipe them away. This is what the scripture is saying. If we confess our sins, he is faithful. If we confess our sins, he is faithful. There is nowhere here that says God is going to forgive every sin that we have never confessed, that we have never admitted, that we have never declared, that we have never even thought about and that we justify ourselves in and yet those sins are somehow forgiven. Right? And this is an important uh, for us to understand this. Salvation is a cooperation. Salvation is a cooperation. It is not the work of one party. It is not the work of man, certainly, because there is no way that we can save ourselves. And it is not only the work of God either. It is a cooperation. Because if it was only the work of God, then the entire world would be saved. If it was only the work of God, then there would be no one to preach to. If it was only the work of God, then there would be nothing for us to do other than to just wait and wait for the coming of the kingdom. But if we read the scripture, it makes it very clear there is something for us to do here. We do these things with hope. We do these things believing in the mercy of God. We do these things knowing that through our, this process and through doing what God asked us to do, that it says what? He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. So we don't do them out of desperation and we don't do them out of fear and we don't do them out of doubt, but we do them out of joy and we do them out of faithfulness to him and we do them with faith and believing that in these in this process in my confession there is true forgiveness and there is true removal of filth and and sin and that we move from darkness into light this is truly what god has said so he is promising us an amazing thing he's saying all you must do is declare your sin and the sin will be removed he's not asking us to do something that is impossible for us He's not asking us to do something that only a select few individuals in the world are capable of doing, that only those people that have certain talents or qualifications are able to do. He's asking us to do something that all of us are able to do. 
and it is not difficult to do, but we must push ourselves to do it. Another example of things that he had told us is necessary that we must do for salvation is baptism and chrismation. This is to accept the new nature that God wants to give us. In John chapter 3, verse 5, it says, Jesus answered, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Again, God has opened the doors of paradise for us. See this happening on the cross, that after the crucifixion, that Christ went down into Hades and brought those who were there suffering, and he brought them up into paradise and opened the doors of paradise for the people for the first time and allowed us to enter into heaven. This is the work of God. No, no, no other person could have ever done this. And yet he's saying, what unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter. Imagine you have like this door that's been locked for so long and no one could enter this door. And Christ comes as the only one who was able to unlock this door and to open the door. And now the door is available to everyone. And yet what? He says, if you want to enter this door, you get, it's not that everyone can just walk in. If you want to enter this door, you have to be born of water and spirit. There is something you must do. Baptism is necessary. It's something that is our choice. Do I choose this or not? This is why when we speak about salvation is in the church. Because salvation is for the believers. Those people that believe, like it said, you have to have faith. Those people who are repenting. Those people who are confessing. Those people who are practicing the sacraments. Those people who are been baptized in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. This is not because we're an exclusive club and this is what we want to be. This is because this is what Christ himself said. Uh, in the Bible study this past week, we were talking uh, about the similar topic and we used an analogy of um, if you were in a room that was dark, completely pitch black, and that when you open your eyes, all you see is blackness, and there is no light, and there is no way for you to see anything, right? This is an analogy of the people in the Old Testament, where even those who wanted to see could not see. Even those who, 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 who wanted righteousness and wanted to live a godly life, they still did not have the benefit of salvation because God had not yet provided it for us. But let's say that uh, God comes and he shines light on this room. And so now instead of this light being, you know, this room being just dark, that this room is now filled with light. And yet there are some people in this room that, that have their eyes closed. That even though the room is filled with light, those people with their eyes closed still cannot see. So, so it, this is a cooperation, right? In order for me to be able to see, not only does God have to turn on the lights, but also I have to open my eyes. And, this, and both things have to be true. If God turns on the light in the room and I still have my eyes closed, I'm still in darkness. And, and, and if I open my eyes but the room is dark, I'm still in darkness. Right? Both have to happen. This is what God did in the nativity. This is what God did in his incarnation. This is what he did in this process of salvation is he turned on the lights, but he says, now you have to open your eyes. You have to do what is your role and what is necessary. Something else that, that Christ has said is necessary for us is to partake of his body and blood in communion. It says in John chapter 6, then Jesus said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Meaning, even if you did all of these other things, 
even if you have faith and even if you have repented and even if you have been baptized. And then he says one other condition, one other thing that we must do in order to be in union with him is that we have to partake of him. We have to partake of him in a sacramental way in the church. This is again so important. This is why we emphasize the sacraments so much and that we are a sacramental church because Christ himself has placed such importance on sacraments. You know, sometimes people will say, well, you know what? All you need is to just believe in the Lord. All you need is to pray. All you need is to uh, feel that God is with you. All you need is to read the Bible. All you need, right? Where do we get these characterizations that this is all we need? Where do we get the idea of all you need is to love people? All you need is to have love. All you need is to forgive. All you need, right? If you read the Bible, what it actually says is not that. There, there are other things that are necessary, right? Yes, those things that I just said are important, but they're not sufficient. They're not only, right? People tend to focus a lot on actions, the practical aspects of Christianity, the morality aspects of Christianity. But what about the spiritual aspects, right? How is it that we actually become sons and daughters of God? It is not through any kind of moral action. It is not through any kind of choice of like the way that I deal with people. It's, it has nothing to do with other people, right? The way I become a son and daughter of God is through baptism. It's a purely spiritual act that God is doing on me that I allow myself, I submit myself to it because I believe that it is necessary and important. The same thing with communion. Communion is a purely spiritual act that I am choosing to do. It has nothing to do with the way I treat people. It has nothing to do with the way that I live my life in general. It has to do with what, whether I submit and believe that the, 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 that the bread and the wine that is sacrificed on the altar truly becomes the body and blood of Christ and that I partake of it. And just as he says, unless you do this, you have no life. You have no life. We are not inventing the scripture. We are not inventing what is truth. All we are doing is reading what the Lord has said. What is it that the, the Lord has revealed to us? And we practice it and we teach it and we preach it and we keep it. And this is, this, is what we, this is what we can do as believers. Also, he speaks about the importance of sharing the gospel message. He says in Matthew chapter 10, Therefore, whoever confesses me before men, him I will also confess before my Father who is in heaven. Which means when, when we are the ones that are proclaiming Christ, when we are proclaiming the Lord to the world, and we are evangelizing, and we are preaching, and we are telling the people the good news of salvation, then Christ will also confess us before my Father is in heaven, meaning that he, that he will also advocate for us, that, that, are, that, that it is through the, our desire to sh to, to, for the salvation of the world, it is because I desire the salvation of the world and I am preaching to them for the purposes of their own salvation that we also will receive salvation. It is because it is because that I'm I'm showing out of love that I want to give of the gifts that I myself have received, the good news that I myself have received, and I want to share this with the world. Then I myself receive it as well. I myself, the the the, the Christ, will be an advocate to me before the Father. Okay, for the purposes of salvation. Again, this is something else that Christ told us to do. This is not an optional thing. This is not something that we decide to do it if it's convenient or, 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 or if we like it, right? He's saying, this is, we must do this. 
this is this is very much tied up in our salvation. The last point I want to mention is about forgiveness. In Matthew 6, it says, For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. If you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father also will forgive you. He's calling us for what? To forgive, to reconcile with one another, to have good and peaceful relationships with one another as much as possible, but certainly to forgive our neighbor whenever they wrong us. And if you forgive, then you will be forgiven, right? If you forgive, then you will be forgiven. Again, this is all speaking about salvation, right? Salvation is about God forgiving me. Salvation is about God not holding against me my faults and my wrongs. So he's saying, if you want the benefit of salvation, if you want to receive this gift of salvation that I'm offering to all people, if you want to be able to see the light that's in the room, then you have to open your eyes, right? Then you have to open your eyes and see it. I also say that in all of these aspects, sometimes we fail a lot. Like forgiveness and forgiveness, let's say. I, I fail to forgive. I, I, I struggle to forgive. But this goes back to the idea again of repentance, right? Whenever I fail to do anything, right? I ask God for forgiveness and we believe that he forgives, right? Like I'm struggling to forgive. I'm struggling to do what's right. I'm struggling to be a righteous person. I'm struggling. In every way, Christ is telling us what? Try. Try, try as much as you can. And when you fail, come and ask me to forgive you and come and help and ask me to help you, right? This is the spiritual life. This is, this is what the spiritual life is about. We see that God has done a great work for us. Again, the name Jesus means Savior. He came for salvation. He came for us to, to see him. The, the name John means Yahweh is gracious, that he comes before to prepare the way for the Lord, to remind us of the graciousness, the grace of God that he is pouring out on all his people, that we had been living in darkness for so long, and now he has illuminated us and shined his light upon us. And he says, now to benefit from this gift, you need to do something. You need to work. You need to do something to benefit from this gift. And this is the two aspects when Gabriel the angel came and he said this miraculous thing is going to happen to you Saint Mary that you are going to bear the Son of God and it is through the Son of God that you will the world will have salvation but you must accept this do you accept it and she said what let it be according to your word let it be to me according to your word I accept the, the, the process of salvation that God came with. And this is what God is asking us to do the same. Do we accept this process of salvation? Do we accept that this is what God is asking us to do? These two aspects are very important. The role of God, we spoke about last time, and the role of man today. So may God always help us to see that God is working an amazing work, that God is doing a work that, that no one else can do and that he is showering us with his love and his mercy and his grace. And in order for us to benefit from this, he is also asking us to do our work and glory be to God forever. Amen.